following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host in Philadelphia, Chris Smalls Angelos. And Smalls, this week, we have probably the... I would I don't know if he's the best player we've ever had on. He's definitely the most decorated. Uh, it is Peyton Siva, former Louisville Cardinal, former national champion, McDonald's All-American, currently a player for Alba Berlin, Berlin in the BBL. They are currently 7-1. and one. Last year, finished runner-up in the BBL to Bayern Munich. And Smalls, we... Peyton was recommended to us as a guy that would be good on the show, and I don't think that either one of us had any idea how spot on that recommendation was. Yeah, that was that was just a great recommendation. You just mentioned all of those accolades, and when people hear that, you know, you expect a person to be a certain way. He was the opposite. He was super down to earth. He was cool, oh, yeah. conversational. I, I thought this was one of the most fun interviews we've done, especially being a different perspective from a former player rather than a coach. Yeah, shout out Matt Langle. You told us to go get uh, former players because that's something that we can do. So we didn't want to get all Temple guys. So we end up with Peyton. And I do want to say really quickly to people that are listening, if you are listening because you think that Smalls and I are going to poke a bunch of holes in Rick Patino and the NCAA, unfortunately, I would love you to keep listening. But if that's why you're here, you might as well not waste an hour of your time because we do talk about Coach Patino and we tell some stories, but we, we don't broach anything that happened off the court. And Smalls and I kind of, you know, made a decision before we had Peyton and before when we started prepping that, like, the show is perp- is about his journey. The show is about what people can learn from a great player like him, what they can learn from his college career, what they can learn from his pro career. And it's more about personal growth. And, yeah, we like to have a good time, but we aren't the type of guys that are going to put somebody on the spot and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Because to be honest with you, I'm quite sure that the NCAA didn't go to Germany and take away Peyton Siva's national championship ring. And so for all those out there that want to call Smalls and I frauds for not doing that, just keep in mind that that's not what the show is about. We do like to make jokes and we have a great time with this one. And he does tell some unbelievable Coach Patino stories. But if you're here because you think we're taking down Louisville and we're going to, it's a social commentary on everything that's happened there, Smalls, you tell him. Turn the podcast off, right? <laughs> it's, it's just not uh, not what we're doing, not what not our intentions when we started this, or will ever be our intentions. We're not that hot take podcast. We let other people kind of do that. Um, like Tyler said, this is this is about other people's stories, their experiences, and hopefully some knowledge gets passed on to different individuals. That's all this is, and it's fun. <laughs> it's fun, and like it comes up right. Like he he talks about at one point that. You know, if he knew what he knows about European basketball now, that if he knew it, knew it when he was younger, maybe he wouldn't have gone in the D League. And that's the stuff where, like, if we have some former players or some managers or some coaches, they listen to a guy like Peyton Siva, who, you know, two-time Big East tournament MVP. Like, I think he was a first-team All-Big East his senior year. But, like, you look at a guy like that who gets drafted by the Pistons and he thinks he's going to play in the NBA, and then he realizes, like, hey, this is a little bit different. Like, you're able to take that advice that you hear on Create Your Shot and give it to some other people and be like, hey, maybe take a look at something like this. And that's the type of stuff we really want. And don't get me wrong, Smalls, we had a great time with Peyton. Like, he was, I mean, he was so funny just in terms of 
kind of taken all our questions in stride. Like I asked him about a story that had been written about him in uh, Play Their Hearts Out, a, a novel by George Doman about him crying on the sidelines. And instead of him saying like, oh man, I don't cry. Like, what does he do, Smalls? He tells us like, oh man, I cry all the time and everybody knows it. Like Absolutely. that stuff was awesome. He he owns he owns kind of everything. And you can tell uh, a person who's super comfortable with himself, uh, where he's been, where he's going and where he currently is. And I think that's something I really respect about, you know, people like that. And he's making, you know, he's doing a tough thing. Uh, yeah, he's getting compensated and all that stuff and playing overseas. But there's struggles to that. Um, and some players, again, I remember just coaching and people want to go play overseas and you don't know what it's like. And this is a great perspective on that, that, you know, it's great. You're playing basketball, but. There's a lot of tough things that go along with that. And Peyton highlights that, but highlights the good stuff as well. Yeah. And I was pretty surprised, honestly, that he said that, you know, he was overseas. His, his family would come over. He's married. He has uh, two daughters, I think. And, yes. or two, and, and that he was over there by himself. I was surprised about that. And, and he said it's, it's to provide, you know, kind of opportunities that he didn't have when he was younger and make sure his kids have some you know, money to be able to gain some experience and, and put him through college and all that stuff. And I, I thought like we just talked to a guy who is younger than the two of us. I think he's your age, actually small. He's my age. Yep. I, I was blown away by how mature he was. And this is just a guy that like, if you do want to go a little bit deeper than him joking around about playing Fortnite and, and how to play against Syracuse's zone, you know, read a little bit more about him and like his childhood and how he grew up. And it's just, it's not a surprise that we talked to him and, and we were as blown away as we were. Just an incredibly like mature guy who, it, like you said, just so totally comfortable in his own skin, like just was ready to have a good time and, and took it at face value. And, and I really appreciated that small. So, you know, for everybody else, like I said, if you're, if you're looking for some good Louisville stories, there are some on there about guys that he played with and everything, but it, you know, this isn't, we're not publishing a tell-all about what we heard about Rick Pitino. So, like I said, if you're looking for that, unfortunately, this is not the podcast for you. Maybe the second time we have him on, we'll go a little bit more into it. But, you know, Smalls, before we get out of here, anything else to add? I got nothing else. Uh, big week ahead, you know, for, you know, the the birds. And you can check us out on Fridays. I'll probably either be having a meltdown or I'll be um, saying we're going to win the NFC East Championship. So, Monday night, we'll tell that story. So check us out definitely on fr- on our Friday episodes. You know, we're gambling. We're, we're, we're making money for everybody. Oh, man, I had an absolute terror. It's Sunday morning right now. This live's here on Tuesday, but I had an absolutely terrible week. Uh, Alabama game was awesome. We're definitely going to talk about Jalen Hurts and Tua. Buffalo collapse on Friday night was one of the most bad. It was one of the worst beats I think I've ever taken. Texas goes Texas Oklahoma goes under smalls. I don't even I'm I'm already in a bad mood about it, but I've never had more fun losing money than I did this weekend cuz the games on Saturday were awesome. But obviously <laughs> your mood is going to totally be based on what happens on Monday. So guys, when you listen to this on Tuesday, if the Eagles won, Smalls is in a great mood. If the Eagles lost, you should definitely tweet at him and tweet at us on at create your shot and let us know that the Eagles are losers because this is 100% if they lose, they're done. They, they're going to be, what, two back of the Cowboys, losing the tie break, still have to play the Rams. So huge weekend in Philly. But before we get out of here, uh, like I always say, we are Create Your Shot on Twitter, Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on Facebook, and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. Leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher. If you do that, send me a screenshot. I will send you a koozie. And yeah, like, like Small said, listen to us on Friday for our Pick and Winner show. We talk some different things we talked the usc coaching search talked about coach k and his decisions against gonzaga 
So I'm sure this week I, I, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about with the college football playoff. And then uh, other than that, you can hear me on the Underdog NBA show every Thursday with Zandrick Ellison. Been a lot of fun to do so far. Talk about what's going on in the National Basketball Association. As always, we appreciate everyone who listens. And we will be back next week. The first McDonald's All-American we've ever had on the show. I think also first national champion, but Peyton currently playing for Alba Berlin, Alba Berlin in the BBL. Thanks for joining us. You guys are 7-1. and one. Uh, How are you specifically? We heard through the grapevine you were a little banged up, but how's the season going on? So going so far? Hey, uh, first, thanks for having me. But um, season's going good. Uh, like you said, we're 7-1 in our BBL league. Uh, we're second place in our Euro Cup league. So everything's going good. Uh broke my rib about a month ago. Just caught a nasty knee right in the side and um, just recovering from that. But feeling good, feeling a lot better now and ready to make my return. When you uh, broke your rib... Was it like real bad? The first like week you couldn't laugh or like cough or anything? Was it like super, super painful? I think the thing that sucked the most was the night that I broke it, our team was planning on having a Halloween party and I had my costume and everything in the locker room and I couldn't uh, bring it out to wear it to the party that night. And the guys called me and like you said, you can't really laugh or, you know, smile or joke around but they called me and just looking at all of them and their costumes and the way they were acting I was trying not to laugh and it was killing me and it was killing my rib but uh it was funny though but yeah like the first week or so it's kind of tough to laugh and you know joke around and the main thing is just sleeping because I like to sleep on my sides and you know all that pressure really didn't help so you guys are this is actually your third year in Berlin and you're, you're coming off I, I don't want to bring up too many bad memories and you've actually in your career had some great moments, but also some like just brutal moments. But you come off a 3-2 series loss to Bayern Munich, who is in first right now as well in the finals last year. But so, so what were your guys' expectations entering this year, especially with the team that might have had some roster turnover and stuff? Um, you know, we came in this year with the expectations of still, you know, trying to make the championship and trying to make a run on it in the way that they build our team as, you know, I feel like we can. Um, of course, it was tough. You know, losing to Munich last year, um, you know, we felt like we had them a couple games that, you know, just didn't go our way. But, I mean, they're a very talented team. And, of course, they're a EuroLeague team this year. Um, but we lost a couple key guys from last year's team, but replaced them with some really good guys also this year. So uh, we felt like we, you know, improved in a lot of areas. And, you know, just having that team chemistry is really big for us. And I think that's going to help us down the road. So, uh, looking forward to, you know, getting back there and, you know, trying to get back there with this uh, group of guys. What's your actual schedule like? You play one BBL game and one Euro Cup game a week. Is that how it works? Twice, you play twice a week? Yeah, usually. Usually around like a Saturday or Sunday, we'll play like the BBL game. And then a Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll play the Euro Cup game. So I like it that way because, um, you know, some teams just play one game a week and that can really drag on forever. So. 
It's cool with me. <laughs> How, how do you think you've kind of evolved as a player and a person uh, from your first year overseas to now? Are you more comfortable, I guess? Yeah, this is your fourth year overseas, right? This is your fourth season. Yeah, this is my fourth season. I would say I'm, I'm more comfortable. My first year I was in Caserta, Italy, and, you know, that was kind of a, a tough position for me. Luckily, I had, you know, some people out there who I met that spoke English and also spoke Italian. So that helped me out a lot as far as, you know, people translating things. And then we had some really good friends on the Navy base who uh, allowed us to come over there and, you know, shop at the American stores and hang out with them. And, you know, they really became lifelong friends now. You know, we talked all the time, but, you know, it was, it was tough, the language barrier. Um, and that's why I really enjoy Berlin so much because everybody here speaks English. It's very, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everybody speaks English. Yeah. yeah, very Americanized here. And I think that helps me out a lot, especially with my family, um, to just go places. And plus, plus they have a lot of things to eat out here. So yeah, I like it. That's always good. Yeah. And we, you know, our guys, TJ DeLeo, and we've had him on this podcast. And, you know, he there's different challenges for every player from America who comes overseas and you're going to different points. So really what I want to know, What's what has been the most challenging, do you think, from year to year, you know, going to back to America and then coming back overseas for a long time? What's the personal challenge for you? The personal challenge is the length of the seasons. I mean, you're you're over in Europe for about nine months. Um, you know, even for us last year, we spent the whole nine months here just because we went far in the championship. Like it's kind of a blessing and a curse because yeah, you want to win, you want to go far as you can, but you also want to go home, uh, you know. So you're kind of like stuck in that in-between stage. But, um, you know, it, it was cool. Uh, I think that's the toughest thing. And especially for me, you know, my my wife and my kids, you know, really enjoy being home. So they come out here for a couple of weeks, but, you know, for the most part, they stay back in the state. So just really? being out here by myself, yeah, I think that's, that's the toughest part for me is uh, – you know, kind of missing out on certain things that they do and, you know, them being in the States. Hey, do you think about that? Like we've, we've got a, a bunch of friends who play overseas and some guys that were in the NBA, some guys in the G League. And does that make you think about your career and how long you want to play being apart from your family like that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely plays a big role and, you know, all that just because you miss those little dates, like, you know, birthdays or, you know, I didn't get a chance to see my second child born. Um, you know, I made it, well, my wife went into labor so fast. I made it back right in time, um, right right after she had the baby. So I missed the delivery of that. Um, so just little things like that kind of play a role, but I mean, the most part, the things that keeps me going is, you know, I'm able to provide, you know, a better future for them as far as, you know, making money in Europe and, you know, doing something that I love that I've been doing since I was a little kid and playing basketball, something that, you know, these little sacrifices are going to be worth it to, you know, be able to put them through college, be able to, you know, give them things that I never had. And, you know, little things like that is what keeps me going and driven. Yeah, let's let's talk about your your upbringing a little bit. You're from from Seattle, went to Franklin High School. You were super highly recruited kid. Just a, you know, I know you were really good with Seattle Rotary when you were in like eighth grade. I remember you were in that book against uh, Demetrius Walker's team. They wrote about you and <laughs> yeah. kind of how you know how your career was. But what was it? What was that recruiting process like for you? I, I'm sure. Just 
the listeners know that like I'm a nerd. So I know I, I'm pretty sure you and Abdul Gadi were in the same high school class, right? Yep. So it's, you know, two very good point guards from the Washington area. So I'm sure, was there a lot of pressure on you to stay home in Washington to go to UW? Well, it's funny because, uh, like you said, me and Abdul grew up together. We played against each other since we were in the fourth grade. You know, we played against him and Avery Bradley since I was in the fourth grade. So, you know, I grew up with them, really good friends with them. And, you know, actually the recruiting process wasn't as, you know, tough as it was because... At first, you know, my sights were set on Arizona um, because it was like point guard you and uh, a, guy, yeah. a, a guy that I really, you know, admired when I was younger was Marcus Williams, who had went to Arizona, the big, he's 6'9", but he's just, he played for Seattle Rotary. And, um, you know, I kind of like idolized him. But then, you know, once I was thinking about going to Arizona, Abdul Gaddy committed to Arizona. So I was like, all right, well, I'll take them off my list because I... <laughs> I'm not at this time for people who don't know, Abdul was ranked number two point guard in the nation behind John Wall. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going there. So my next choice was, you know, looking at UW. Uh, I came down to UW in Louisville. Uh, Louisville at the time had Terrence Williams, who also came up under the Seattle Rotary program, who I was, you know, really close to. So I watched him a lot. And, um, you know, he went to Rainier Beach and I got the chance to, you know, see him growing up and work out with him. So that's how Louisville came into the the picture because of Terrence. And then when I was taking my visit to UW and, you know, looking at them, Abdul has switched commitments from Arizona to <laughs> UW. And I'm just like, dude, make up your mind. Like, but uh, Lou Olsen had retired and Abdul was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go to stay home, go to UW. And then at that time, they had Abdul, they had Isaiah Thomas, they had Vinoy Overton, who was the starting point guard at my school, my high school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we played in the backcourt together, but, I mean, we're all the same height. Abdul's a little taller than us, but, I mean, I didn't want to go to the school with three guards who all played pretty much the same as far as, you know, same height and everything. So that's just, you know, Louisville just was that next option. I mean, I was recruited by a lot of Pac-10, at the time, Pac-10 schools, but... Louisville just, you know, was the most intriguing at the time, especially, you know, since Terrence Williams went there and I started watching them a lot. And it's funny when I, you know, committed there, I didn't want to go to UCLA. I tell people this. I didn't want to go to UCLA because that's all I heard was they just play defense, defense, defense. And I was like, I don't want to go there. I want to go, you know, try to get. For Rick. You want yeah. to go play for Rick Pitino? You're going to pick up 94 feet the whole game. Man, yeah. Man, like. <laughs> see, when I was watching him in high school, you Cause like we we were all guards in high school and we pressed, but we didn't like press like that. We just like kind of ran around with our head cut off, and you know. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm pressing. This is fine. And I watch I watch Louisville, and you know they press, but they just it looked fun. Like they was getting out on a fast break, dunk, all right, layup, easy shots. And I'm like, oh okay, yeah, they just out there running and like just getting buckets. But yeah, you know, definitely wasn't the school for me if I wanted to just. They didn't want to go play defense. Uh, I learned that very quick when I got there. Well, they probably, they also probably were able to show you just in, in terms of Coach Patino and the guards that he had coached. Like, it could be like, all right, you're from Seattle, but like Rick Patino is like a New York City guard type of guy, like tough, like ball's going to always be in your hands. And it just ends up, you know, I'm curious, like, did they sell you on that? Like being that type of like tough guard that's like a leader for, for his teams? Because he's always had a guy like that, or he always had a guy like that, rather. Yeah, they really didn't sell me on that point 
Um, you know, I really enjoyed watching Edgar Sosa, you know, playing, you know, especially oh, after yeah. his freshman year. You know, he was amazing in college, just, you know, just fearless New York guard. And, you know, kind of growing up, you know, I had the stigma of being a West Coast guard where, you know, West Coast guards are, you know, flashy but soft. And, you know, New East Coast guards are, you know, that gritty, you know, tough-nosed guard. So I wanted to, like, kind of, you know, see what that was like also. And I knew I can kind of play in that type of game. And plus the Big East was – Probably the best conference in college at the time, you know. Yeah, the, I mean the old, the old Big East, yeah. for sure. Because you were, you were in. Did you play at all in the ACC, or did you graduate no, before they went to the ACC? I I graduated way uh, before they went to the ACC, so I was like kind of like we won the last Big East when it was like the powerhouse Big East uh, championship. But I kind of wanted that, and uh, I, I saw Edgar play, and I'm like, yo, I I want to play like Edgar Sosa because you know I kind of like watched him play I'm like I love the way he plays like his swag uh his energy um you know he just looked like he was having fun out there so I got the chance to play with him my freshman year and it was it was real cool I one of the things I appreciate about you Peyton just after 12 minutes of knowing you is that you could have dropped that you were Big East tournament uh MVP I think right two years in a row weren't you oh yeah 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 (laughs) but but instead you were like ah you know we won the last Big East tournament like team guy that's got to be like the point guard in you rather than just being like not a big deal last real Big East tournament MVP none of this like BS Catholic schools that don't have football tournament anymore like (laughs) Nova wins every year we don't care about that but I I appreciate that Peyton that you didn't just let everybody know what a what a big time guy you were no i mean it, it definitely could have went to anybody on my team i was just lucky enough that they gave it to me look at that that's that's good speak that's good coach speak right there <laughs> listen so we're, we're talking your freshman year you were a backup and you averaged 11 minutes a game and i always wonder this question i think we see it more and more in college basketball as you know the you just see the transfer rates right what is it like coming from high school and AU? being the absolute man, like you've been the man probably since you were in fourth grade. Right. And then mm-hmm. you have to wait. Except when they, except when they played Demetrius. Walker. There you go. Very, very yeah. clear. The, the fifth, <laughs> uh, allegedly there were tears, Peyton. I don't know if you want to defend yourself oh. from that book or not, but. No, uh, if, if anyone who knew me at seventh from fifth grade to about seventh grade, eighth grade knew that I would cry every game, and whenever I got mad, that's when I played my best. So whenever like the tears came out and my fists start bawling, I'll start huffing and puffing. You know, that's when I like, I don't know, that's, you know, when some people like, oh, I entered my zone when I, you know, I focus. Like that was like for me, that was me entering my zone of playing my best basketball. Is when I started crying, people knew I like had anger problems. So I'll just get really mad. And I used to get buckets when I, when that happened. And so... <laughs> So, I mean, it was, it's funny that people are like, oh, you were crying. Like, yeah, I, I used to always cry. games. <laughs> like, and, uh, so, I mean, that is what. So that freshman year, what was it like waiting a little? Were you getting angry? Were you getting, and you couldn't really go get those buckets because you were only getting 11 minutes. How was that waiting process for you? And what made you want to stick with it? It was tough. Um, honestly, it was very tough just because, you know, coming in out of, I know high school and, you know, coming into college, you think you're going to be this and that. But um, at the end of the day, I didn't really go in with the attitude of, all right, I'm going to be the man right away. Um, You know, I knew what I was going into and I knew I was going in to be, 
you know, Edgar Sosa's backup point guard. Um, you know, I, I thought I was going to play more, but, you know, I've been in situations like that before where, you know, my, when I was in eighth grade, I got to play on the top rotary AU team and I was the backup point guard. And then when I was my freshman year, uh, I was a backup point guard until <laughs> three of the guards got hurt. And I was like, all right. And I got thrown into the starting role and that's when it kind of like took off and I just never looked back from there. So my freshman year when, you know, I was playing, it was tough, but I, I wanted to learn from Edgar Sosa. I wanted to learn the, you know, the program and, you know, how he played. I would ask him every day, like, hey, can I go to, with you to the gym? Like, what time are you going to the gym? I want to go right. some shots with you. And so I kind of had that mentality, like, okay, this first year is going to be, you know, tough, um, but I'm going to try to learn from it. But, you know, through that process, I remember my my first two games with Louisville, like like exhibition game and like the first game, I had like three plays on ESPN top 10. And I was like, oh, okay, this is this is how it's going to be. Like, oh, I'm trying to make sports in there every night. And that could have been the worst thing for me because, you know, after that, I would try to make some plays that weren't there. And Coach Patino was just like, oh, you're just trying to make ESPN, son. Like, you need to, like, you know, focus on the team and all this stuff. And then, you know, reality hit when we went to the – got into Big East tournament – I mean, Big East play, conference play. And the first game I think we played – uh, St. John's, St. John's or Seton Hall, I think it was St. John's. And I think I played maybe two minutes in that game and I damn near cried after I was just like, what am I doing here? Like, you know, and, you know, coach called me in the office and kind of like circled the two minutes and it was like, you know, this, you know, the, you know, the reason why you're playing this. And I was like, nah. And, uh, after that, I just went to the gym and, uh, <laughs> I just started shooting and, I uh, just kind of just started trying to live in the gym. And I mean, it was very frustrating. I definitely thought, you know, in my mind, like, oh, maybe I should transfer. But I think that's kind of like the the sucker way out, kind of like the weak way out. And um, I was, I stuck with it. And I mean, I enjoyed my process and my time. Sports are back and there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, Bet Online. NBA playoffs have started, MLB's in full swing, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer all continue, and BetOnline has the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. If you need more than that, BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. They also have poker tournaments, hundreds of live casino games, and the best props in the business. So visit BetOnline or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. When you do visit, don't forget that promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, for your online sign-up bonus. That is BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now, back to Peyton Siva. Speaking of uh, SportsCenter Top 10, when did they put in the, like, horns alley-oop play for you, where you guys would have, like, the the little, like, 1-4 high, you'd hit the wing, and then you'd get the pick and the foul line. Because, like, it felt like it worked every single time, and it honestly felt like it was the slowest developing play, and all of a sudden you just got an alley-oop, and it worked every single time I was watching Louisville. You know, it, it works to this day, too. I got one uh, last year, actually, and I dunked on, like, two people. And it's funny because, like, no one – like, we run that play so much. It was We only had, like, maybe two plays at Louisville. Uh, it was actually called Quick. And we just kind of like run it and like you kind of just go through the motion of the whole game, the whole game. And then so that one time you're like, yo, look for it, kind of give the eye movement and it, it works. 
And uh, it's kind of just like baiting your, your the guard the whole time. And I got it a ton of times. I mean, I... I was I was gonna say, and it was always on Sports Center top ten. They'd be like, "Oh, look at this guy! He's six feet tall. He can dunk." Like, let's you know, sometimes they're like number eight, number six, but every single time. I remember one time, I think in the tournament, you actually you laid it up instead of dunking, and I was like, "Well, that sucks!" Like, come on, what's going on here? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I really appreciate the uh, six foot comment. Not not everybody gets that right, so I really appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I got it uh, a couple of times in the tournament. I got it my junior year against Michigan State, and then I got it. Actually, I say I dunked it because I I rim grazed it. But against them in the Michigan game in the championship game when I got the I was up. I was at like a bar in Atlanta. We were down on the final four for that. Oh, nice. I remember, I remember like we, I mean, I was probably, I don't know how, uh, you know, with it I was at that point, but I, I <laughs> that's like specifically the one I remembered. I couldn't remember if it was Wichita or Michigan. No, it was, it was Michigan because Tim Hardaway had just dunked on Gorgie. So it was like, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like after a couple of plays, I had got it. So it was cool. Um, so speaking of the tournament, the, your sophomore year, you guys lose to Moorhead. Uh, in the first round, Demonte Harper makes a three. We get to hear Moorhead State's coach talk about how, like, he he saw it in a vision. I actually watched <laughs> the YouTube clip of this. You were, I believe, the defender on Demonte Harper at that point, but it wasn't a whole lot you could do. Dude, just like rose up and, and hit a big shot. Yeah, what was it like that that year for you? You know, to be part of on the other side of of a moment like that in the NCAA tournament. It's funny because that year is one of what was probably one of my favorite years just because that year was my first year starting at point guard and um we kind of had a young team that no one expected to do much especially after getting knocked out in the first round the year before and all of our guys left um you know and the backstory of that whole moment of the Demonte Harper three is you know we got a chance to play uh, take it a, a week before we got a chance to play against UConn in the championship at the Big East when you know Kimba went on his crazy run uh yeah and um you know in that game we had pretty much dominated UConn that whole year I think we won two games against them when they were ranked top five and top 10 and uh we, we played great against them you know I ended up messing up my ankle that game and you know it got really swollen uh, not to take anything away from, you know, Kimba and his run. I mean, what's destined is destined. And, you know, he, he did what he had to do. But going into that next week, you know, I was going into that game with a sprained ankle and going against Demonte Harper and Kenneth Reed was, you know, even tougher battle. And, you know, we felt like we could have beat them, but our leading guard, uh, Preston Nose, broke his foot at halftime. And so I think we were just behind the eight ball and probably could, shouldn't have got that far. But like you said, him making that three, I couldn't move. And I was just hoping like, okay, maybe please just drive it because I can't move on this ankle. And he just stopped, pulled up. <laughs> and all I could do was just like look back at the ball going through the net. I'm just like, oh, no, not again. First round exit. Oh, it was tough. But, I mean, he was a hell of a player. I mean, he still is. Uh, I got a chance to play against him. But, I mean – He's, that it was meant for them to be, like you said. I mean, that was just the backstory about what that, that happened. But, you know, that was one of those moments where you're just like, damn, first round exit again. But, but you know what? The following two years, you follow up, you get to go to the final four, and then you ultimately win the national title. So, you know, those first round exits, you're, you're probably all good with those now. But what were those teams like? Because 
and the reason why I asked that, I just have this like personal belief. It, it's the chemistry. It, it just goes way beyond the court, I guess. Like, how were you guys in the locker room and just as a team? Were you doing everything together? And were the, was it just like perfect? Because that's what I imagined. Two Final Fours and national title. I think uh, chemistry is one of the biggest things a team can have. Um, you know, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have you know, this and that. But if you don't have any team chemistry, it can definitely ruin you. Um, How'd you guys find that? So I think, you know, most part, you know, we kind of just all chill together. Um, you know, we we did little things like, you know, play video games together. At that time, you know, Call of Duty just came out. So we'll play online with a couple, you know, with the guys or, you know, we had FIFA tournaments, you know, throughout the dorm. Uh, we'll play FIFA games or Mortal Kombat. Uh, you know, we had like a gaming center where we play like ping pong. I never played because I sucked at ping pong, but like guys will always play ping pong and we just always hung out. I mean, we always had like a, a great group of guys um, that kind of just chilled together. And, you know, we really, I mean, you practice twice a day, you're in study hall for two hours a day. You, you're going to spend time with your teammates. So, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you, you, you build that, you know, camaraderie and, um, you know, I think everybody really just enjoyed each other. I mean, you have guys from, you know, different places. Like you had Russ Smith from New York and then you have Gorgie Jane from Senegal. You have, you know, Mike Marr from, you know, Rhode Island, uh, you know, me from Seattle or King Buckles from Miami. Like you just had a group of guys who was just from all over the world. So it was it was kind of cool to just, you know, hang with each other, find out what, you know, it's like from where they live at. And uh, I still think, you know, to this day that, like I said, chemistry is the most important thing. And we just enjoyed, you know, playing basketball together. I mean, of course, we had our hard times when we lost and everything, but, you know, we really stuck together a lot through that, uh, through those times. And I think like rivalry games bring out the best in, you know, teammates and the competitive nature. I want to talk about, you know, everyone wants to know about specific rivalry. What was, what was the Kentucky Louisville? Can you put that in perspective for, for our audience that maybe aren't involved in that rivalry? Especially right, Peyton, because you guys played, you lost to the Anthony Davis, Michael K. Gilchrist team, right? Yeah. That's what we lost in the final four. Yeah. So you know, me being from Seattle, I really didn't understand the whole rivalry between Louisville and Kentucky. I mean, you don't really understand it until you're there. Um, you know, especially I live in Louisville, so uh, there's no pro teams. Um, so they take their basketball and their sports really serious. Uh, Louisville's, I mean, Louisville and Kentucky's only an hour separates the two. and you know, it's it's a huge rivalry. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play against some of the great Kentucky teams that came through with uh, Coach Cal because my first year we got to play against John Wall, Eric Blesso, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, you know, they had Patrick Patterson. Uh, they had a uh, Eric Blesso. I think I said the name. They had Darius Miller. A really good team. And then I saw. And uh, my sophomore year, we lost that year, of course, my freshman year. Uh, my sophomore year, we got the chance to play against uh, Deron Lamb. Uh, who was it? 
Deron Lamb, Terrence Jones. They had Darius. Marcus Teague. No, I don't think was Teague there. No, Teague wasn't there. My uh, sophomore year, Teague came in my junior year, I believe, because that's when they won the championship. He was the point guard on that team. The the year that they went to the, they went to the they won the championship. Yeah, he he was the I think he was a freshman that year. That's the year they won it. But I think that year uh, they had DeAndre Liggins. Oh no, my sophomore year they had Brandon Knight. That's who they're playing. Yeah, they lost to Ohio State in the tournament. Yeah. With the night team, yeah. So that was that year. So we lost to them my uh, sophomore year. And then my junior year, we had to play them twice. And that's the year they had Teague, Anthony Davis, you know, Deron Lamb stayed, Terrence Jones stayed. Uh, yeah, God, that team was freaking loaded. Yeah. <laughs> and we had them down, too. I hit three in uh, – the last minute to put us up, I think one or tie the game, and then they called a timeout. They caught their breath, and then Anthony Davis just like scored three straight points in the in the paint. That was all she wrote, and so that was tough. And then my finally my senior year, we beat them, and that's the year we won the championship. Yeah, they were also they were super young. I mean, they're young every year. Obviously, the way you turn the roster over, and you guys. You know, your senior year, what, Russ Smith was a redshirt senior at the, or a redshirt junior, right? So he had been there for four years. Like, you, you guys were so old and, like, ready. I think, like, Chamber Hannon maybe was the only guy that was a underclassman that played major, major minutes, right? Maybe Gordy. No, uh, Shane and Trez played, uh, played major minutes, and they were still, you know, Shane was in his sophomore year. Uh, Wayne was in his sophomore year. Uh, you know, like you said, Russ was a redshirt senior. Gorgie, I mean, a junior. Gorgie was a junior. Luke Hancock was a transfer in who was a would have been a senior, but he was a junior that year. So we had a you know a lot of guys. I mean, Van Trees was a senior. Uh, he redshirted also. So we had a lot of older guys that year, and I think that was you know that played a key part in us winning also, just because. A lot of guys came back from, you know, experiencing the Final Four and experiencing the NCAA tournament. So we kind of knew what was going on when we came back. So after that season, you you get drafted. Uh, second round pick of the Pistons end up playing, I, I want to say, 24 games uh, in Detroit. And then I'm sure you, you split your time probably in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. How, what was your first year like in the pros? I mean, you, you go from Louisville, like where you said you're, you're the only game in town. It's you in Kentucky. You know, you're, you're chartering everywhere, playing in front of 20,000 people. What was that next year like for you in the NBA and the, and the D League? It was different just because of the fact that you're on your own. Um, you know, I remember my first road trip with Detroit. We get to the hotel and I'm looking for a coach and I'm like, hey, you know, can I go, go you know, to the store real quick? And they're like, why are you asking me? I'm like, you know, we're, we're at the hotel and I'm not, you know, I'm not used to, you know, when you get to the hotel in college, you, you go straight to your room. I'm like, hey, can I go to the store quick and grab something? They're like, dude, you do whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> Just be back here by the time we have, you know, shoot around. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> and so that was kind of like an eye opening moment for me. Just like an NBA, you're just on your own, basically. It's just, you know, you're a pro, you're a professional now. Uh, there's a lot of things to get used to, uh, a lot of traveling. Um, you know, and for me, I had, you know, tore both my Achilles, not my Achilles, but my hamstring, uh, my calf muscles when I got to Detroit. So I was out, 
you know, most of the I missed the whole preseason. Um, got a chance to play later on once they healed, but uh, never really got back into rhythm. Uh, got then went down, played in the the D League, played really well when I was with uh, Fort Wayne. It was it was fun uh, when I was down there because I just I felt like I was back in high school. I just you know got to take all the shots, got to you know just just be the man again and just go down there and hoop and enjoy it. And then um, it's cold as hell, but it was it was fun. Other than that. But uh, it was, I had a good time, man. You know, despite, you know, what happened in Detroit, despite getting, you know, released from them, you know, I really enjoyed it. I made some really good friends there, uh, you know, with Contavious, you know, Andre Drummond. Uh, you know, I even played Fortnite, you know, to this day with Josh Smith. Uh, so, you know, it, I really enjoyed it as far as, you know, meeting people and learning the NBA lifestyle. And, um, you know, I definitely – know what to do now if I was to ever go back and uh you know I think it was a good experience for me yeah so you played that next year in Erie and you you played I want to say the whole season I can't remember if I was working for Delaware at that point or not I might have been the year before but you played for Erie and then when did you decide like all right I'm going overseas like because I think one of the really interesting questions for guys in the D-League back then it's it's much different now there's more opportunities for money they have exhibit 10 contracts two-way deals all this stuff now where guys can make a little bit more money but when did you make the decision like all right I'm going to give this a go and if it doesn't work like then I'm going to go probably you know make a good amount more money overseas because I don't think people understood at the time like when I started working in the, the D League, Peyton, like I think the A contract was like twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you don't make anything in the D League. A D League is just uh, kind of just you're on that verge of you know making your dream come true, and I think that's the best chance you have of you know trying to get a quick call up. But I think I came to the realization I just I just never could stay healthy. I never could like get it going, especially like in summer leagues or, you know, when I was in D league, I, I finished the year off really strong um, and just went into the summer league and I'm, you know, just constantly continuing getting hurt. And I was just like, you know what? I think this year I'm going to finally give it a chance and give it a try. I got to make some more, got to make some money. You know, I think family plays a part in that. Uh, I had my daughter and it's just like, you know what? I, I got to make some money and, you know, let's try it. Uh, you know, what's the worst that could happen? In hindsight, I feel like I wish I would have known more about the European basketball when I was in the NBA or even when I was in college. You know, a lot of guys always have that, you know, sight set in the NBA, but I would advise a lot of kids, especially in college, to like take a look at some of these European teams because it is growing and it is, you know, a some for some people might be a better option to make it to the NBA from Europe because of the way that NBA scouts Europe now and the, how the leagues are set up. But I wish I would have known like the teams and how it was set up uh, early on in my career because I had some really good offers that I was just like, no, I'm not going to Europe. I want to stay home in the summer. I want to just relax. I don't feel like going all the way over there or you know and. You know, I was stuck in a pretty bad position when I finally did decide to go to Europe for the first time, where if I would have left, you know, after my first year in the NBA, I would have been on uh, bigger and better teams. What's the biggest difference between basketball in the States and then, you know, the overseas basketball? As far as, you know, the pros go, 
I mean, no, nothing, nothing is like the NBA as far as, you know, the traveling, the perks that come with NBA. What about you know, like the facility. style of play? Style of play is really different from the States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that because you still have your, you know, defensive three and a key where guys can just sit in the paint. I would say it's a lot more physical in Europe than it is in the NBA, just because a lot of guys like to hack and foul and uh, grab you. <laughs> Whereas the NBA is more free flowing. Um, you know, they take more interest in, sc- you know, scoring than, uh, you know, low scoring games. No, nobody wants to see a 50 55 game. You know, that would be the most boring thing in the NBA, I think. That was like, that was four years of your life in Louisville. You, you just won like 58-52, you know. <laughs> but see, like, even in even in college, you know, I feel like it's more, you know, a defensive game. Like, yeah. It is, it is. It is. Players, players are worse, too, Peyton. You know, you played at, like, the highest level in college. Yeah. But, like, some guy, like, you end up on teams where dudes just can't make jump shots. And right. Like, okay. You know what I mean? So guys switch and they're like, all right, we're going to let some so-and-so shoot six, seven, eight jump shots a game. They can't make them. And that's why you play so many games in the 60s, I think. And the NBA don't have that, you know. I'm, I'm sure. You don't have that luxury. Everybody, every shot they take, it seems like it goes in. Yeah. Do you think Europe benefits you as a defender? Because you are a guy that, you know, you're up in your, your you know, your cover every single time. Like, you, I don't know if you you probably wouldn't say you foul a lot, but other guys might say that. Like, do you think that benefits you as a point guard? I'll be honest with you. I haven't played the way I played defense at Louisville in a while. Uh, just because of the fact that, you know, you're picking up full court and you're, you know, exerting a ton of energy. Like, I like to pick up. I like to, you know, get in my guys' grill as far as, you know, defense goes and, you know, playing hard. but. Also, like, I like to just enjoy, you know, basketball, like an offensive end, too. I like to, you know, go score, get some assists, uh, you know, and save that energy for that. But I feel like as I'm getting older, I realize, you know, just certain things I can get away with and certain things that you can't. Um, you know, you rarely see guys in the NBA pick up full court. Um, and you, you you rarely see any of the, the offensive players pick up anywhere near half court. Um, so, you know, it, it definitely changes. And I think Europe is kind of like, it's kind of gradually getting to that point of, you know, scoring. Uh, my first year, it was just, oh, this team doesn't play defense. Oh, they're letting them score 80 points. And I'm just like, no, guys are just getting better. And, you know, shots are going in. I mean, you're not going to hold everybody to 30 points, 40 points. You know, people, the game is evolving where, you know, the three-point line is you know, gold and everybody wants it. Um, so I think the game is evolving in Europe too, and it's kind of mimicking the NBA style as far as, you know, free-flowing offenses and things like that. And that's why I really enjoy playing for this coach here in Berlin. But um, I think it does help out the guards who, you know, can't shoot or, you know, does play that tough defense because they can get away with a lot of that stuff over here then where they can't get away with it in the States. Yeah, I've watched a couple Euro Cup games, like streamed them, and it, it is amazing the stuff that happens off the ball. It's like people were talking about like the Rockets Warriors last year, how the Rockets were like really physical off the ball, and I was like, man, in, in the BBL and in like the Euro Cup, these dudes are just mugging guys off the ball, and there's just like no, 
Oh. And it's, just, it's just like, it's insanity. Like the way they check guys when they like screen and dive and stuff, it's like, it's like fucking crazy. Pace, yeah, man. no, like, it's like amazing. If you like cut down a lane, you're just getting cracked. And I, but there's, <laughs> like, like I said, the game's evolving. So kind of like now they're kind of like the referees are paying more attention to it and calling it. But my first couple of years, like you can literally stick out your forearm and just chin check somebody. <laughs> like if they're cutting off the ball and, the ref are the refs are not paying attention to that, and they're just calling everything on ball, and it definitely can get frustrating. And, and I mean, for bigs too, like it's a battle down there. It's, it is a grind. So I don't mind staying around the perimeter when I see that. So, <laughs> all right, let's do coach speak real quick. Normally we have some quotes, but for a guy like you who's played for a bunch of different coaches, we always want to talk about you know kind of what was successful for you and what wasn't. Um, I'll I'll go first, and then Smalls can ask the next one, but. You know, how, how do you feel like you've grown both as a point guard and, and as a as a player in terms of the coaching that you respond to? Like what works for you as a player when coaches are teaching and what do, and what has not worked for you in the past? I think the best thing for me as far as, you know, coaching goes is when a coach talks to me as a man uh, and, you know, not try to baby me and not call me out of my name. I mean, you got to find like the happy medium in that sense. Uh, you have that a lot of coaches in Europe who is just like, you know, this is my team. This is what I want. You do it that way. And it's like, you know, that doesn't work. I mean, some players are, you know, not designed for that style and some players are, you know, not designed for that fit. So you have to find that happy medium of, you know, getting this guy to commit to some of the things that you're teaching, but also let him be who he is and, you know, let him be what got him here. Um I would say, you know, I'd, I'd never responded well to, you know, a coach calling me out of my name because then I feel disrespected. I don't I don't feel like I want to go battle for this coach, um, you know, but when a coach, you know, talks to me as a man like Peyton, you need to play harder or, you know, you need to do this or that. That's fine with me. Now I know like, OK, you respect me enough to, you know, tell me to do this in a calm manner. And so I need to go respond and do my job. Uh, and I would say the biggest thing, too, also was in college, I've learned after my junior year, well, after my sophomore year, that you have to listen sometimes to the way, I mean, to the words that the coach is speaking and not the way that he's saying it. Because um, Coach Patino would yell, 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 but the message behind his yelling would be very sincere and would be very motivating if you just took the time to listen to the words he's actually saying and not the way he's saying it because he's saying it in the heat of the game where, you know, emotions are high, you know, he's as intense and he's as invested into the game as you are. So he's going to see things that you're not, but you have to realize you guys are both being competitive and realize what he's saying to you, the words he's saying and not the tone of voice he's saying it in. You have to listen to that. Did it did it take playing for somebody who was a Hall of Famer to become a little bit more coachable, like you're saying, being able to kind of separate yourself and being like, all right, hold on. Like we're both like you said, we're both really competitive. We're both doing this at a super high level. Like I, I need to look myself in the mirror and be like, okay, am I coachable? Like, did it take playing for a guy like Coach Patino to, to get to that point? Or do you think you had that when you were in high school and going into college as well? I think I had that going into high school and college uh, just because the fact that, you know, I, where I played at, you know, I played under some really good coaches. Um, 
you know, I had a coach named Daryl Hennings, who was my AAU coach, who would speak to me. He was the ultimate, like, confidence guy. You know, he was the guy, like, every time you shot, layup. Oh, that's a layup. Like, like every time you shot, you, like, knew you didn't have to look over your shoulder and see a coach, like, flare his arms or, you know, you're getting a sub out. So playing for him, I had that ultimate confident coach who would, you know, have your back for everything. And then in high school, I had a coach that his his favorite saying was, I run this shit. And <laughs> his name is Jason. Right. His, <laughs> his name is Jason Kerr. And, you know, no matter what you did, he reminds you like, hey, I run this shit. Like he would yell it during the game. Like I run this. And, uh, he, I mean, he said it to teachers. He said it to refs. He said it to everybody. He made everybody know that, you know, that was his saying. And, but through that, he taught me that, uh, you know, with that team, we all had to dress alike. Everybody was the same. Um, you know, no one was getting special treatment. So I came up underneath, you know, that with that sense that, you know, I'm not better than, the next guy no matter if it's me or the water boy or if me or the manager like I'm not better than you we're all the same and he taught me that lesson of you know it's not about you it's just about the team you know you can go out there and get 30 or 40 but like if we're losing and if you're not helping the team out if you're just you know all about yourself what is that going to do and I think those two guys you know coaching wise really helped me get to that level of coach Patino of He's the Hall of Famer where I haven't done anything and he's a Hall of Famer. So, you know, this is his, you know, his domain and you have to listen. And I think that helped me. What was his favorite? Uh, this is my favorite thing. And then we'll go to City Review. But like, what was Coach Patino's favorite thing to say to you guys? Like, did he just have one? Like you said, your boy said, I, I, I run this shit. Like, what did, what did he give you? <laughs> like, we... Like for us, I, I can't repeat. I mean, I could, and then I could just bleep it, but I don't want to work that hard to edit this. But like, like Coach Dunf at Temple, like he just he had one specific thing that everyone who's ever been to a Temple practice like knows what it was, and it was very vulgar. But like for Coach Patino, like he have any like cliches or whatever that he just said to you guys all the time? Oh man, I could write a book about what Coach Patino says. Uh, you could write a book about like Coach saying, and you just oh man, people, man. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think the biggest thing for Coach Patino was he always clenched his hand as in like in a claw motion. I mean, you can see it like in the, in all the pictures, but he always clenched his hand and he would always like say like in you'll say the most random things, but and and uh, say we have film study and say uh, you know you get you know, two points or zero rebounds or, you know, zero assists or zero steals. And he would always be like, you know what? My grandma can get, yeah. get a rebound and she's dead. And she's like, she's, a, and it's like, like what? Like, yeah, like, Coach, Coach Dump's thing was always like, if you had zero rebounds, he would like go to the sideline, grab the trash can and put it under the basket and be yeah. like, if I put the trash can here all practice, it would get one rebound. And, like, he did that small. How many times or did he do that? Like, at, it was he'd look at, like, a manager and say, you know what? You got as many rebounds as uh, Tyler Lurie last game. So that's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Don't get our dudes going. 
now that you now that you've done our podcast, are you going to go on Coach Patino's podcast? I mean, it's, it's if he wants, I'll definitely go on Coach Patino's podcast. Uh, and also, his favorite thing was also just his treadmill. His treadmill. Oh, yeah. we had we we had the treadmill. Hit the treadmill. I, oh, uh, hit the treadmill. Yeah. Does he get mad? Does he get mad that Bobby Huggins gets all the credit for that? Because that's what everybody talks about with Bobby Huggins—that he's the only one that has the four treadmills where you have to sprint forever on the side. I'd never heard that about Louisville that you guys had that. Oh, Coach Patino had that. I feel like he had that since he was his, he first stepped on campus at Louisville. Like they had when they were in the the sack. The student activity center, they had the treadmills going on the sidelines. So, like, I don't know uh, why or how. I mean, Bobby Huggins is a legend also, but Coach Patino's always had the treadmills. Like, we have two treadmills going at all times where our strength <laughs> coach just sits in this little back room and just waits there. And then you just run in there and, be like, yeah. And you run on level 12 and you have to go right back out to, you know <laughs> – yeah, I have stories, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Did, not, did, he, did you guys not do uh, – I always wonder about this with teams that use the treadmills, Peyton. Did you guys not do, like, team suicides and stuff? Like, if you just made a mistake, it was always the treadmill? Or did you still have to do the typical, like, team running when everyone screwed up? No. It would be, a, like, if the whole team messed up, it will send the whole team up to the treadmills. Like, we had, like <laughs> – in the weight room, we had, like, like 12, 8 treadmills where, like, say if, like, we play 5-on-5 five five, – and we're doing a drill where like no one's like you have to talk and that team didn't talk he'll send all five guys up to the treadmill and just all right start all right you guys take a water break they'll come right back down all right let's start practice like man i i love it like he stopped practice like and then you're you're dead tired the other team's getting water and yeah. you're definitely gonna make another mistake right after that <laughs> yeah like <laughs> see i hate like i hated the treadmill and i kind of learned how to get a, a, around it by the time i end of my junior year senior year came in where I didn't ever go to the treadmill but I respect coach Patino because I like one of the like you know you always hear the urban legend or the urban myth about like how what coaches do uh one of the big things about coach Patino was that he you know challenged the guys like before I got there I guess he challenged the guys because coach Patino is a workout holic that's all he does is work out uh watch film work out maybe sleep workout so he challenged the guys he was like oh you guys think the treadmill's hard whatever and they're like yeah well he's like all right well i challenged all you guys he got like five guys up they had to run on a treadmill with him he outran all of them they fell off the next five guys got up and he's still running on a treadmill and they all fell off and he's still running on a treadmill he's like and you guys think this is hard huh so i, I give him credit like that guy is uh as a monster he's awesome different dude yeah and so i'm going to take it over to our next segment city review so what we do with this you know coaches are on the road recruiting so we pick a city and you give us well, me and tyler are coming there for a weekend and you're going to take us to three restaurants and we're going to do one activity with you so and they don't have to be like fancy restaurants they're just good food spots in louisville take us through a Peyton. all right if we're going to louisville um, obviously the big, big thing to do in Louisville is, uh, if you guys want to hang out, would be going to Fourth Street Live. Um, you know, that's where they have all the restaurants, all the, you know, bars, uh, they have a lot of different things. I like, I personally enjoy going bowling, so you can go bowling there. Um, so you have a lot of food options there. Uh, a couple of food options that I really enjoy. And Louisville, 
trying to think. I love that you said bowling right off the bat because we've had, you know, a couple coaches come on here and, you know, talk a lot of smack. And, you know, I'm working on getting a like a bowling thing going. I got to figure out the logistics, but I just want to take all these coaches to test. You must be a pretty good bowler. I I really enjoy bowling. I used to go bowling all the time. Like me and my teammates, my freshman sophomore year, we had a, kind of like a, a bowling team that we always went bowling and like had our personal balls, like all that stuff. <laughs> the, the, pin, the pin pals, you had bowling shirts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that was like the thing to do, like for me, especially since I don't like to go out. Like it was like, all right, let's go to a bowling alley. Let's go bowling. But uh, yeah. So. All right, so I like um, dang, I don't know why I can't think of them. sake blue, which is a uh, like a sushi hibachi place that I really love. So if you if you like sushi or hibachi, sushi, man, I mean I could eat sushi like for every meal, and I just keep feeding me it hibachi. <laughs> throw the shrimp in my mouth, I'll catch it. I'm gonna yeah. Scream. Let me let me chime in for one second because I'm not far from Louisville, about two hours away. But one thing Peyton's, Peyton's given a lot of like veteran advice on here, but rookie advice going to get sushi in landlocked states. Like they don't fly, they fly fly that sushi in in the morning, Peyton. It's, it can't be that fresh. Like when you were having sushi in Seattle, the seafood was probably amazing, but in Louisville, like it can't. I mean, come on. There's no bodies of water near us. There's none. You got to go. You got to go down to Florida. The first thing about that though is when I was in Seattle. I can never eat sushi because oh, really? I really never uh, found like I would eat. Uh, we had Ivers in Seattle, which is like a famous fast food, like fish and chips place. So I was I would love Ivers. I will always go to Ivers. And uh, if you ever go to Seattle, that's the spot to go to. But that's kind of funny you say that because I heard that before. Uh, but it's more expensive, I would say, when you are in landlocked places because they do have to oh, yeah. ship the seafood there uh whereas when i was in italy i got a big bowl of you know seafood fish all clams everything for like six dollars and it's like this can't be real oh, yeah. like this is fake They're like no we just catch it right outside <laughs> it's actually a guy with this fishing pole like yeah. on the dock. <laughs> definitely uh what about barbecue in louisville gotta be some good barbecue spots yeah um let me think. What's the barbecue spot I like to go to? I can't really think of like the names like right now. I can like I just know like they're by my house. All right, I'm going to this place. <laughs> like Mama's Mustard, Marks. Like we there's a, there's a good yeah Marks Marks Feast Store. Yeah, Marks uh, Feast Store yeah, is always good to get over to. So like yeah, yeah they have, and then and then feast is feast is supposedly really good as well. Oh, I, I think I had that once when I was and that like I think I found out about it like a couple two summers ago and I was like oh yeah this is really good but like I mean for me I'm more of a like Chick Fil A type of guy like I just want to go oh, Chick Fil A perfect <laughs> we're definitely down with that for the third <laughs> but we we've talked we talked about this before for guys that are overseas like stuff like that you don't you can't get it for nine months so you come it's just like me with Wawa like I I don't think Wawa is amazing, but I can't get it down south. So if I go back up to Philly, I always go to Wawa one time because I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to eat this again for X number of times. So like for you, I mean, there's no Chick-fil-A in Berlin, right? No, or but see, is, we have, it's not the- well, here they have a really good, you know, barbecue spot, like literally right across the street from my house and it's called Chicago Williams. And then we have Tony Roma's, which is, has like good ribs. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. all right, well, when I go back home, like 
I'm not really craving. I'm not craving that. Like when I go home, I'm like, all right, I need to go Chick-fil-A. I need to go Raising Cane's. Like, <laughs> it's gotta be real. It's gotta be really tough to get like very good chicken in Germany. Like you can't get good fried. Yeah, no, there. there's, like, there's no, like, I mean, they have KFC out here, but it's like, I don't really want KFC. <laughs> but the great part about the city review is we're coming to hang out with you. So we're going to eat some Chick-fil-A, some Raisin Cane's, all these other coaches that we go, we're going to different restaurants. We're going to eat the standard and we're going to enjoy it. Here's the problem, Smalls. We can't, when we hang out with guys that are actually professional basketball players, we got to remember that like they can eat really bad food like that. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's not great, but like you get a workout in and whatnot. Like Smalls, if I eat Chick-fil-A, like I got to go to the gym for like four yeah. hours afterwards. Like that's, uh, Chick-fil-A is actually not that terrible. No, no, Chick-fil-A is okay. Chick-fil-A is fine. But like for me, I, I go with like a week. Like I'm just like doing nothing. Like say if I get back from Europe, I go a week where I just eat like all the food I want, and then I slow it down really fast because like all right, I have to go to the gym. I gotta work out three times a day. Like because I was when I was hurt, especially in the summer, I had surgery and I was still eating that type of food. I came in, I was a little heavier than I wanted to be. So I was like all right, my body's not what it used to be like in college where I gotta watch what I eat now. Do you work out? Do you work out at Louisville all summer? Like you work out in Yum Center or the practice facility all summer? Yeah, I would go down there a lot of times. Uh, it was different, you know, it was different this year just because of the fact that you know Coach P was gone and Chris Mack came, but you know he welcomed me in with open arms and you know told me I could use the facility whenever I wanted to. So I would go down there and work out. Uh, but I also I live probably like 20, 20, 30 minutes away from downtown, so I try to find gyms closer to where I live at to work out at and um you know i worked out like a baptist health uh performance and it was like literally five minutes away from my house so definitely don't want to make the commute every day down to you know yeah so let's do 10 touches 30 seconds just rapid fire question and answer i'll take the first five who who was your who's been your funniest teammate that you've ever played with russ smith yeah (laughs) when he was at hoop group when we worked at hoop group and he was there two years in a row he was he was freaking hilarious. Just the stuff he would say to guys on the court was so funny. He's a New York guy, man. Like, yeah, he's a New York guy, and his energy is amazing. So I mean, he's definitely him and Preston Nose are probably like two of the people I really enjoyed. Like just just being in their presence. What uh, what TV show you could, you guys have a lot of free time? That's what we always hear. What what are you uh, currently binge watching? I'm a big anime guy, so I love watching like anime, and when I'm so I, I watch a ton of like cartoons and stuff, and then especially with my daughters, that's uh, awesome. bunch of cartoons. <laughs> so, that, that's actually I mean, awesome. That's the, that's way more out of the box. Everybody was always like, "Oh yeah, I'm watching Ozark. I watch Power. Like I watch Billions. I, I I love that. I love that you watch." Now, so like some of the anime I watch, like My Hero's Academy, uh, you know, Fairy Tale stuff like that. So those are that's me. <laughs> who, uh, who was your toughest cover ever? Drew Holiday. Oh yeah. Bigger, bigger dude, like big. yeah, my that was my rookie year too in Detroit, and I had to guard him, and I was trying to press him, like you said, I was trying to press him full court. And he literally just like turned his back to me, laughed, and just backed me down all the way down the court, and I'm like working hard, like trying to press, steal the ball, and he just backed me down to the free throw line, knocked down jumper. And I'm just like, damn, didn't <laughs> think about it. What uh, what was the toughest part about playing in the D League? I would say the traveling, um, you know, because you're, you know, it's just like you're up to, you, you're waking up. I think traveling is worse in the league because there's more games and you're waking up like at four o'clock in the morning, especially when I played in Erie, the, the, um, 
airport was two hours away in Buffalo. So we had to drive from Erie to Buffalo every time, two hours. And it's like, yeah, this is trash. Honestly, when I when I worked for the 87ers, Erie was the worst trip. Like Canton sucked too because it just like Canton was a bad city. But like Erie, it just is like we drive all the way across the state. There's nothing there. Like it's always it felt like it snowed every single time we were there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it snowed. A lot. Now they cared about their team, though. Like every, they had fans. Like they, they loved them. The Bayhawks, right? They don't exist anymore, right? I think they moved to. Orlando. No, no, no. They still. I think no, no, no. They still have one team. Yeah, they have a team there. I think they renewed for like next two years. I think I believe. But I, I enjoyed Erie because they had a lot of. It's a small town. They have a lot of like food restaurants and stuff like that, and they have a really big casino, and it's really cool. So <laughs> did you guys have? They had a shuttle driver. His name was uh, his name was Bubba, and I guess he had been there forever. And we always, he was like a good dude to see when you were there because he had, I guess he had worked for the team. He was like an operations guy. He worked for the team, like maybe the front office for a long ass time before they were affiliated with anybody. Cause now I think everybody's affiliated now, but, um, yeah, the, I, I think, oh. yeah, he, he did drive us. He drove us to the airports. So yeah. Yeah. Who is the, uh, you can't answer yourself. All right. But who's the best basketball player in your opinion from Seattle? From Seattle, it'd probably be Brandon Roy. Okay. Is he he's still uh, coaching right at Nathan Hale or whatever? Is he still no, coaching? no, he was coaching at Nathan Hale, then he stopped. Coach at Garfield, and they won. I think he took a year off this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say like just basketball wise, you know, where his career was going, I think you know you got to say Brandon Roy. But as far as longevity and everything, it would be Jason Terry and Jamal Crawford. Those guys are like the OGs. How crazy is? Jamal Crawford's Pro-Am. Because everybody talks about, like, the Drew League and stuff, but the Seattle Pro-Am seems like, when you see the videos of dudes that come back and play there, like, how wild is that Pro-Am, Peyton? See, it's crazy because, you know, I haven't been able to come. I, I went back for one year, like, after, right after college, but I haven't been back to, you know, visit there in, like, the last three years, and it's been huge. I remember I played in Jamal Crawford's Pro-Am when it was just starting out when I was in middle school, at you know Rainer Beach and it was like three people in the stands and <laughs> you know so I I originally you know was one of the guys who participated when it first started out but now it's just like amazing where you got you know Kobe Bryant coming to visit games you got all these you know Zach Levine just having dunk shows in every game Isaiah dropping 50 like it's it's really cool for the city I mean Jamal Crawford does so much for the city of Seattle it's amazing and I mean he deserves all the praise for all that what would you change about college basketball? Um, I would change the defense of three seconds in the key uh, for, you know, college basketball. Just to spread it out, uh, you know, see. Yeah, I mean, just to see how it is. But, I mean, a lot of teams, you know, play amazing zone defense. I mean, we were one of them and it helped us out. Uh, like you have Syracuse that it helps them out, but I think it will just make the game a, a lot faster. And I think also changing it, I think the a good thing was they changed the shot clock. Yeah, down um, to 30. You know, yeah, because I remember when I was in college, you can miss a shot, miss, like run a play. All right, doesn't work. Run another play, doesn't work. All right, let's come run another play. And it would just take forever. Yo, how, how hard, before we move on, we, we played Syracuse once when we were at Temple. How, how hard was it to game plan for Syracuse, in your opinion? I sucked against Syracuse <laughs> every year until my senior year when we beat them in the Big East. So I am the wrong person to ask ever about <laughs> Syracuse. Uh, we beat them a couple times, but 
Me personally, I sucked against them, so I, I couldn't tell you anything how to game plan. I, I've never seen on t- on film a team like where there looked like there was legitimately no spots except for the two above the break threes, where it felt like you could get an open shot. Like we watched them, and you're just like, where like where do you get the ball to score? Like they're so long, like they push their zone up so high. It's like what the, like what do you do? It was well, crazy. they recruit guys who are six seven, six eight point guards who just stand at the top of the key. And then they have like three six eleven guys just sitting behind them. So you can't see anything unless you're two feet behind the three point line. And from that, for me in college, that was a very difficult shot to say the least. And Luckily, like we had Gorgie who can, you know, make a mid range shot yeah, because they left he, the middle open. He could pass and then, from the foul line. Yeah. Yep. And then Montrez who dunks everything. So they couldn't block him every time. Usually, like guys who are down there are like smaller four men who, you know, put up a layup and they just block it where Trez dunked everything. So he dunks everything. He dunks everything now, too. It's like that, that translated. For some reason, people were like, I don't know if he'll be a good pro. And he still just dunks everything. Oh, I don't, I don't know why people said that. I mean, the guy has an amazing motor and he's an athletic freak. So people were just crazy to think that. So, yeah. do you have a pregame routine or are you superstitious? I'm not superstitious uh, as far as, you know, pregame routines and everything goes. For me, I like to, you know, get to the gym probably about two hours early to get shots up before everybody else gets there and hogs the basket. Um, I always like to take a nap on game days. I think that's the big thing for me. And uh, always pray before the game. I think those are just some of the things I I like to do before. What's the... Yeah, what's the worst freshman or rookie hazing you've ever witnessed? Witness? I haven't really seen, witnessed, experienced. See the nothing? No, see the worst the worst thing for me, especially like even when I was in Detroit, was I had to get Greg Monroe these fusion gummies cuz that's the one thing he liked. And like literally the day I got drafted, he messaged me and was like Hey, make sure you bring these fusion gummies to summer league. And I was like, "All right, cool." Okay. And uh, nice yeah, like, "Hey, my name is Peyton. Nice to meet you." Uh, so that I mean, that was like in Detroit, we really didn't do a lot of like any of that. I would say the yeah. the worst thing would probably be the the popcorn things because yeah, all yeah, that butter and salt. And you know, for me, I was a rookie. Like, okay, you get paid. Like well in the NBA, but that's a lot of money to get your car detailed and get that stuff cleaned out. Like, did you buy? Did you buy a car with your first contract? Like, what kind of car did they popcorn? Because we saw like Trey Young, right? He I didn't. Like a I didn't get popcorn. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, I was just like, yo, I'm broke, guys. Please, like, I want a rookie minimum. It's not guaranteed. Please don't do any of these things to me. Uh, I mean, I had to got an Audi. Uh, but it wasn't nothing compared to what the other guys had. It was just, you know, nice get around car. Uh, I enjoyed it. And, but whew, I would have been very sad if my car got popcorn. <laughs> What's your uh, favorite and least favorite practice drill? I would say my favorite practice drill is anything that involves like shooting competitions or uh, any of that. I would say my least favorite practice drill is running like just yeah just running without the basketball is probably my least favorite thing in the world 
If if like if I like I was to text you and I was I was gonna send you like a picture of a treadmill, would that just like give you extreme anxiety? Like No, I, I have <laughs> I, I I mean I'm sure like every college player still has it though. Like I still wake up like some days and be like, Oh, am I late? Like, oh shit, like am I late for this? Like am I supposed to be somewhere? Like I feel like I miss something. Like I still have those like, oh no, did I miss practice? Like I still wake up from those and I feel like every college athlete like deals with that still oh man that's awesome all right final question on 10 touches from me hidden or uh secret talent you have i would say i'm a decent bowler i would say that that would be for me what's like your average score i'm anywhere from i would say like the 170 to 210 mark that's actually really good i don't know that i've ever broken 120 without bumpers just to be totally honest on here (laughs) now like i think like if i get like 121 i'm like feeling pretty good about myself like I feel like I feel like I I can like crack like the two hundreds like on a, a like a like not like oh that's like a, a, a amazing game I feel like okay I can crack that but like I'm around you know in between the one seventies two hundred range where I can like I feel very confident in. Do you spin it? Yeah, spin? yeah, cool. right, yeah. Me I too. Can, me too. I can do right spin and left spin. So I, yeah, I do left spin. I, I just – here's the only thing, and I just have to say it's like I have a very specific lane. I got to go to certain bowling lanes because like certain lanes – Oh, just slick. Like a little slicker. Yeah, yeah man. And then they'll start fading <laughs> into the whole left lane. And now I'm like I'm down two lanes because you know what? I just spun my ball, and I can't figure it out. It takes me a whole game to figure it here's out. Here's the really Definitely. important question. Do you have your own pair of bowling shoes, and do you wear a, like a wrist guard? Well, you no, 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 <laughs> no, but I like to go to like the little fan and like act like I'm doing something with my fingers. <laughs> chalk it up. Yeah. Like, get a little chalk out. <laughs> oh my God. This is, this is bad. All right. Parting shots. Uh, last segment. Same two questions for every guest. Peyton, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Never get too high or too low. Um, you know, just try to keep a level head through everything. Cause you know, especially with this game of basketball, you know, anything can happen. Uh, you can be on top of the world at one moment and you can be on the bottom at another. So never get too high or too low and just keep a steady head and just enjoy the ride. Man, face to face with your 18 year old self. What are you telling that person? Uh, invest in Uber and uh, Apple yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, try to put all your money into that because those businesses became really successful. <laughs> I love that. Since you've been out of college, have you been really looking into like investing in financial management and stuff like that. Cause we've had a couple guys on, we had a guy who was Muhammad Masco who played for the Browns who was a financial advisor after he finished in the NFL. And, and he said the same thing to us, like that he got really See, I, I, in it. I'm not like big involved in it. Like I like, I look at it. I like I have a financial advisor who kind of like talks to me yeah. like about it. And like, I'm just like, as of now I'm in the stage where I want to save my money so I can eventually invest in those type of things. But as of now, it's just more saving. And then once I have enough money to kind of like play around with and those things, then I'll get more and more serious into them. All right. Well, yeah. And that's one thing I, I just wanted to jump in and ask one last thing. What do you, have you ever thought about what you want to do after basketball? After well, your I, I honestly, that was the question I was going to ask. Small. Ooh, look at us. You know, oh, after, after 150 episodes, we're on the same page. Word. Uh, I would say after basketball or after I'm done, I would 
I would say like the most, you know, thing I would want to do, of course, I would want to stay in basketball. I think something I would enjoy would probably be like a skills development guy, like assistant coach on a basketball team. Like I would, I wouldn't want to be a head coach just because, you know, I don't want all my hairs to turn gray or go bald, um, you know, and I think for me, my that's not really my personality type to be a head coach and to make those type of decisions and uh, as far as, you know, being an assistant coach and helping guys along and developing them, I think that's, you know, where my calling card would be. And I think uh, I'll be very helpful in that area of life. How about uh, how about broadcast, Peyton? You're like super comfortable on the air. I mean, I mean, this is this we're not really, you know, a big deal or anything. But well, have you ever thought about that? Like, have you done stuff for like ESPN or stuff in Louisville or been on the radio and stuff? Like, have you done stuff like that in the past? Yeah, I mean, I've done plenty of, you know, interviews and, you know, public speaking events and, you know, going to places to talk. And those things are, I mean, this is easy. Like, we're just having a conversation, especially you guys make it, you know, very easy for me to just, you know, be comfortable and just talk and have a good time. So credit to you guys. You guys, you know, do an excellent job in that. But, you know, this, I would, wouldn't want to, you know, be a, color commentator or anything like that they throw it to you on cbs and ask you how to beat the syracuse zone you can't say like i don't know how to do that and throw it back to the studio. yeah <laughs> they, they throw it i'd be like uh make a shot next <laughs> all right well i know you uh want to watch football i'm sure i'm assuming you're a seahawks fan right or no are you not you gotta be a seahawks fan come on man yeah so yeah. all right so we'll get you out of here before this was obviously sunday and we really appreciate you taking the time with us uh, he is at PayPaySiva3 on Twitter, and I believe it knows three on Instagram, right? Just at PayPaySiva yeah. on IG. A lot of action right now, tweeting a lot about Jalen Hurts and Alabama in the uh, oh, SEC. Hey, did you see yeah. that? Yeah, oh, man. Unbelievable. So, I, so, I can't watch the game, so I just keep up on like a game cast on ESPN. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, honestly, this was a, a very bad football weekend for me in terms of like picks and, and some investments in, in teams, but. Yesterday's SEC championship was like one of the most fun games I think I've seen all year. Just like that moment. And like watching like a guy like Nick Saban get emotional about it. Like, cause you know, he cares about Jalen Hurts. Like that thing was crazy. Right. Peyton. Like it was. No, like- that's a, that's an amazing story about how he just like, it's how it happened to be the same team and how he came in to lead the drive after getting pulled a year earlier. It's just. You know, and like what was so crazy to me is like a team like Alabama, like they have so many unbelievable, unbelievably good players. Like so many guys are going to play in the NFL, like and their whole team was so ecstatic for Jalen Hurts. Like two was like got a bad ankle. He's like running over, giving him hugs. And stuff. it was like you don't expect a team like that to kind of react that way. And so Jalen Hurts just must be like an unbelievable teammate. And so for it to happen for a guy like that, like. I think it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast is just about team chemistry and just building that camaraderie with your guys. I think championship teams and championship level teams have that great team chemistry where everybody's rooting for each other. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. So are they going to win the national championship? I don't think they're going to – I don't see anybody who's going to beat them. (laughs) I mean, Louisville's not playing with Lamar Jackson, so (laughs) – uh, yeah, that's, that's, the only, only team, that's the only team I root to for. I share for Louisville and UW. <laughs> oh, there you go. They, they, I mean, Jake Browning, four-year starter. Hey, right. they, beat, they beat Utah yesterday. So. Yeah, Pac-12 Pac champs. It's a little different than when you were, uh, when you were out there. Now the teams are different. But. Right. All the teams are like just a lot better now. It's crazy. So, anyway, we appreciate it, man. And uh, 
best of luck the rest of the year. I, I hope you, like I said, I hope you get totally healthy and, you know, we maybe we'll get you back on in the middle of like the playoffs or something or like the Euro Cup and kind of see how the season's been, you know, because it's early in the season now. But if you get some time on a Sunday, we'll, we'd love to talk again, I'm sure. We can talk about your book. We can talk about the book. Whenever. Talking about, right? All right, man. We will, <laughs> we will talk. Whenever, guys. Just uh, hit me up. Let me know. And uh, I really had a great time. Thank you guys for having me.